0: Well, friends, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me to Titus chapter 2 tonight. Titus chapter 2. And as you turn there, let me ask you a question. What does a missionary look like? What does a missionary look like? Have you ever seen one? I wonder if you've ever seen a missionary. What do they look like? Do, do missionaries, when you see one, have these, uh, these certain like red glows or, or purple glows so you know... Uh, that that's a missionary? All right. I mean, even to expand the question, what, what does a pastor look like? What does a deacon look like? What does, a, what does a Christian look like? To bring us back to that first question, though, where do missionaries come from? Where do missionaries come from? This is the question that I want to answer in our time together this evening. We've, uh, as you see on the back of your bulletin, been slowly working our way through a series of talks Uh, That have been more topical in nature, but considering some of the big things, the big considerations of the church. Things like conversion and discipling and evangelism. And now, uh, this month, considering missions. So last Sunday, we thought about what do we mean when we say the word missions? What does that actually mean? Is it just a Christian buzzword we use from time to time? Or do we actually mean something by that? And we're going to recap a bit of that tonight in our talk. But tonight we're really going to answer this big question of where do missionaries come from? Now, whether you realize it or not, some of us even subconsciously maybe believe that missionaries come from seminaries or or some kind of missionary factory somewhere. Or they just happen to show up somehow. But tonight, what I want us to see, and it's one of the central aims of these talks, is to see that missionaries actually are really just Christians. They're just Christians who love Jesus and want others to see Him. In these missions talks, we've really had three aims. Let me recap those three aims, and then we'll get into the text. And I hope to help you see this. Aim number one is that we as a congregation would have a biblical understanding of what God wants us to do In light of a world that is in desperate need of hearing the good news of Jesus Christ and having the Bible opened for them and being taught and gathered together as local churches. So what does God expect of us in light of that, biblically speaking? And number two, this is what we're going to think about tonight, is that we as a church would see discipling as missions preparation. That we would see the discipleship ministry of our church as missions preparation. This is why we did the discipling talks before we got to the missions portion. And then aim number three is that we as a people, as a church here in this place, in this time, would zealously pray for God to move us and provide us opportunities to work. And That we would zealously pray that God would work among us in moving us and sending us and giving us opportunities to give, to support, to care for the spread of the gospel around the world. And that's really what missions is about. The title of these talks is missions, the church moving into the nations. And that's really what the book of Acts is about, really. But that is what continued ongoing missions is about. It's about the church as little kingdom outposts expanding into the nations among the ethnos of the world. And so if you want a good short definition of missions, let me give you one before we look at Titus 2. This is what missions is. It is God's plan. Okay, so let's establish that number one. It's God's plan of reaching the nations, reaching people from every tribe, tongue, nation, people group, every variety of reaching them through the gospel proclamation of his people. So there's some essential parts of that, right? That, that missions... Is about proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ as his word holds out. But that proclaiming is to be done by what we call missionaries. People. And so, what I want us to see tonight from Titus 2 is two things that missionaries love and three things that missionaries need. So, where do missionaries come from? I want to answer that question by showing us two things that missionaries love and three things that missionaries need. To get us there, let's look at Titus 2 now, verses 1 through 6, which some of you already know this passage, and you say, wait a second, this is not a traditional missions passage. And that's exactly right. Here we go. This is God's word to us this evening. It says, but as for you, he's speaking to Titus. Here's Paul writing to Titus. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. And in your teaching show integrity, dignity and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may not so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Like I said, this is not a passage that's traditionally used to talk about missions. In fact, this is a passage that's traditionally used to discuss what we believe to be true about men and women and their roles within the church, within the home and all that goes along with that. But friends, I would like for you as best you can to look at this passage in a new light this evening. And so let me start by by showing us two things in this passage that missionaries love. So if we are going to be people who proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations. Then there are two things that a missionary must love. And they are found here. The first one there in verse 1 of chapter 2 of Titus. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Missionaries love sound doctrine. It is something that they desire to know, they desire to understand. And many of you may hear that statement and think, well, yeah, no duh. Missionaries need to know what the Bible teaches. That's what we mean by sound doctrine. What does the Bible teach? That's how it's sound because it comes from God's word. And what is doctrine? It is the things of God. And you may say, oh, oh, yeah. But friends, let me tell you something that may shock you. Sound doctrine in many circles and in many missions organizations is no longer the main focus. Instead, many missions organizations, many churches, many denominations, as they think about, talk about, and send missionaries, doctrine falls very low on the list. Instead, they focus on different methods, different means, different mechanisms to make their missions work flourish and foster and flourish and and, and explode with growth. You'd be surprised, but many of the ways that we see churches nowadays uh, open their doors in seeker-sensitive ways, much of that has bled onto the mission field and among the nations. But we see here that Christians, including missionaries, must love sound doctrine. It is necessary to know what the Bible teaches. Because it's impossible to point people to Christ. If you don't know who Christ is. It is impossible to point people to God. And what he calls us to do in repentance and belief. If we do not know who that God is. And we do not know what his word. Holds out and calls us to. We see that missionaries don't just love sound doctrine. But they also love sound devotion. That's what we have there in that second half of the passage that I read in. In verses 2 through 6 really. Is that missionaries love sound devotion. Or to, or to put it another way. They love obedience. You see that there. in the things that Paul calls Titus. To really enforce. And to really inject. inject into the life of the church. There in Crete. that that the older men are to live certain lives and the older women are to live certain lives and, and they are to hand these lives, these lives of devotion and obedience and holiness to the next generation. We see here that if someone is going to be a missionary, they can't just know the Word, but they also have to know themselves and the life that they're called to live and the people that God's Word calls them to be. There is a sense of being character qualified in being a missionary. Now we often use that phrase, character qualified, to talk about pastors and deacons. And and Paul himself addresses that in this very letter to Titus back in chapter 1, in verses 5 through 16 of chapter 1 of Titus, he lays out qualifications for elders. Paul deals with this elsewhere in 1 Timothy 3, in laying out qualifications for overseers and deacons. But friends, don't miss this. The idea of Character qualification of being able, as far as your character goes, to be a proclaimer of the gospel does not just extend to to pastors or to deacons. It extends to all Christians. The expectation of God, and this is what's so amazing about the qualifications for elders and deacons, is there nothing special. And here the same is true for older men and older women and what they are to hand younger men and younger women. It's nothing crazy. It's nothing complicated. It's nothing over the top. It's simple but hard Christianity. It's simple but a narrow path of obedience. And so we see then that missionaries ought to love two things. The Word of God and walking in holiness. That if a missionary loves these things, desires these things, and pursues these things... It is an equipping mechanism to give them endurance in living in the world and proclaiming the gospel to the nations. So then we come to four or three things that missionaries need. Three things that missionaries need. And, and I'll just... Well, I'll get to that at the end. Let me give you three things that missionaries need. And also, from this same passage, i kind of flipping the thing. If missionaries are going to love sound doctrine... And love, devotion. They need discipleship. They need discipleship. And that is really what this passage is all about. As Titus is teaching sound doctrine and equipping men and women here, he is equipping them to do something. And what is it? That the older women are to teach the younger women how they ought to live in this world. And we don't have time to get into all the specifics and what is going on here, what they are called to here I'll leave, leave it to you to meditate on those in your own time. But we see the same thing is true for older men to younger men. You know, I do find it so interesting that you have a long list there that the older women are to teach the younger women. And some of you ladies hear that list and you're like, why is our list so long and the men is so short? That's not fair. Why is Paul, is he just a misogynist? Why is he picking on the women here? Well, friends, you see there, it, verse 6. And, and men... Tried not to testify too much to this. But, but verse 6 says, Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. And can I just give you the, the reason I think that, that Paul doesn't give a long list for men here? It is because if a man can be self-controlled, more than likely everything else will fall into place. And so I'll just testify. Self-control is the chief killer Of biblical manhood. It is. That men who are not self-controlled. Cannot walk in holiness. In any other way. And so Paul understands that if Titus. Can get the older men to disciple the younger men. To be self-controlled men. Everything else. Will go right. Now men I'll let you testify afterwards. As you're in conversation with one another. As you seek forgiveness from your wife. Later. Uh, So. What do missionaries need then? If they are to be people who are devoted to doctrine and to obedience and holiness, they need to be discipled. They need to be raised up. They need to be poured into, which leads to the next thing that missionaries need. And that is that they need churches. They need churches. You see, this is is what Paul's laying out in Titus 1. In Titus 1, 5, he says... To, to Titus there. Paul says to Titus. This is why I left you in Crete. So that you might put what remained in order. And appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So, so Paul here is assuming. In these towns that he has been. He's left Titus in Crete. So that Titus would go into these towns. And there he would appoint elders. Elders for what? Missionary organizations. No. So, some parachurch ministry. No. He's supposed to go start. Put elders in place for, for young life. No. He's called to go put elders in place to oversee and to lead and to shepherd churches. This is God's mechanism for reaching the nations. This is why this series is called Churches, or the church moving into the nations. That Paul understands that the church is God's central means for displaying His glory until Christ returns. And so, what do missionaries need? Not just discipleship from somebody over a Zoom call or some book that they've read or some organization or some seminary or Bible college or curriculum. No, they need discipleship in churches. Friends, The reality of what we desire in being a part of missions work as a church is not that we would just send missionaries or, or be a part of missionaries just out doing whatever out there in the nations. The missions that we want to be a part of is the missions of planting and fostering and discipling local churches. This is the kind of missionary work that we want to be primary in our church. Is that we would seek to not just see Christians made, but churches established. And so this leads to the final thing that missionaries need. And that's Jesus. Missionaries need Jesus. You know, it's no coincidence that Paul ends after calling people in these churches to love sound doctrine, to teach what accords with sound doctrine, to seek the discipleship of young men and young women that he closes chapter 2 in the way he does. Look at verse 11 of Titus 2, some of my favorite verses in all the Bible, 11 through 14. All of the things he's called them now to, he it here with this four, because this is why for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us, training us to un- renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. Friends, missionaries need this. Missionaries need Jesus. They need Jesus because it is their role, their job to go and to share this Jesus with the nations but they need Jesus for their own heart how is it that men and women are going to become godly men and women well we see there that it is Christ who has trained us to renounce ungodliness and all lawlessness and so we have to ask ourselves where do missionaries come from well friends they come From the chairs around you. They come from the people that sit next to you on Sunday morning. They come from the children who are in child care. Or who gather in the chapel on Wednesday nights to sing and to memorize scripture. They come from the babies in our wombs. And the ones that we bounce on our knees. They come from our brothers and sisters that we meet to have coffee with. Or to share dinner with. Missionaries come from us. This is why Titus 2 is such a helpful passage. In thinking about missions. Because it helps us see. How missionaries are made. They are made through simple discipleship. Through simple devotion to sound doctrine. Through churches. Being together. Loving one another. And building one another up. And so I guess a bit of application to close. If you are an older man or woman. And I don't necessarily mean older biologically. Spiritually older. Then your role has been given to you here in Titus 2. To disciple those who are younger. Biologically or or in the faith younger. So that maybe God among us. Would raise up. And send out. What do missionaries look like? They look like us. Let me pray. Father as we come before you. Praying and zealously asking. That you would move in us. And move us into the nations. God we pray and we ask that you would raise up. That you would equip. That you would strengthen those that you have called to go. And God that we as a church would have a heart. For seeing your gospel preached, your word taught, and believers growing in maturity here and around the world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.